Hello and welcome to the Access of Space Defense and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space defense and security. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to episode 34, Space Technology Interest of Island Nations. Today's topic is not so much well known in the industry as well as to a lot of people uh, outside of the industry as well uh, because we have always seen that island nations have always been concentrated either for resource exploration or in a matter of politics i would say for resource exploitation uh, but it is the first time that we are discussing this topic from much more from you know a civil perspective the commercial perspective where how the space industry is helping Uh, these island nations as well as how the interest of this island nation is going in the space technology domain uh, to discuss this topic in much more detail we have today with us uh, marcel sanmathi hi marcel uh, welcome to the podcast hi omkar thank you for having me yes thank you very much for uh, giving us your precious time I, and this is your second time on the podcast your first episode was great as well uh because you are one of the first speakers uh, to speak in detail about the indo-pacific issue um and i'm really glad to have you on the podcast again so yeah welcome back again <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much it's my pleasure yes yes so yeah without any delay i would like to uh, directly jump into the topic uh we have seen a lot of developments recently happening we have also seen some conferences which uh, have been taking place Uh, related to the island nations i mean satellite connectivity for island nations so can you tell us how are island nations leveraging space technology to monitor and address climate change and its impact on their coastal areas um yeah first i would like to highlight how important is the issue for the island nations because when we talking about climate change uh it, it's a matter of survival for some of those nations uh, countries such as vanuatu tuvalu the solomon islands or even samoa could completely disappear uh because of the uh, sea rises and climate change so that is why it's it's a it's it's crucial for them to uh to monitor climate change and you know like uh, in the past you could measure the temperature of the ocean but right now satellite imagery is basic to do that and see how the uh uh sea levels have uh, you know like extraordinary growth or not so to to monitor that and and have uh, plans to mitigate those uh those effects it, it's vital for those nations yes i believe uh, as you mentioned about this uh, this thing so can you share some examples of how small island nations are also utilizing satellite technology for disaster management response like you mentioned about climate change as well and i, I believe a lot of these things in a some way are also related to disaster uh, management response so can you please extend a little bit on that 
Yeah, I think the best example we might have it in Tonga. I do not know if you remember that something like a year ago, we had a yes. massive uh, uh, volcano eruption in Tonga. Um, and, and several challenges come out of that. Uh, first, that, you know, it's like you, you, you need to rescue people. And satellite images were, were crucial there. Uh, also, yes. there's an issue of internet connectivity. Uh, most of the times, or several times, uh, island nations are connected by huge submarine cables. Uh, but when you've got events such as volcanoes or earthquakes, uh, those cables can break down. So, you know, a, a year ago, we, we had uh, both the United Nations and uh, Starlink, uh, Elon Musk company, teaming up, uh, you know, like reconnecting Tonga to the world. And that was vital. And there are some other technologies that in the future might be extremely useful for island nations. Um, I do not know if you are aware that recently, I think it was Coltec was able to send solar energy from space to Earth for the very first time. Um, yes. That's an issue that maybe people are not that aware, but uh, because you might think like, well, you know, island nations might not have issues uh, obtaining uh, energy through solar panels. But again, you know, if you've got an event like a volcano or a typhoon, uh, those panels can be, uh, you know, like can disappear literally. Uh, they can be completely covered in ashes or, you know, like a tornado can take them away. So, you know, sometimes you've got island nations spending like, a huge chunk of their GDP just buying uh, diesel fuel. Uh, so, you know, like having uh, a satellite just beaming energy to your island nations would be a, a huge game changer. Yes, yes. And I think uh, from the respect, as you mentioned, space technology, so I believe, especially when it comes to the communication factor, uh, it is very important that the infrastructure should be strong. Uh, so from that perspective, can you tell us what primary challenge do island nations face when it comes to developing and maintaining their uh, satellite infrastructure or even, you know, in general, I would say space technology infrastructure? Yeah, Um. so we mentioned before all of, of those weather events, but also please have in mind that island nations are quite small and, you know, like the island nation that has the bigger population is Fiji. And that comes with around a million people living there, but the rest of them might be populated by just a few thousand people. So, you know, to sustain um, the, the the satellite infrastructure that, for example, they they are using right now for uh, a tertiary education. Uh, you know, in here we've got something called the uh, well, we've got the University of the South Pacific, and it has like more than twelve campuses. Uh, so, you know, like to have satellite dishes to connect all of those campuses is absolutely vital to provide uh, tertiary education. But also like you can find startups like, uh, well, not startups, like companies like um, Pacific Broadband Satellite Group uh, that they provide uh, access, online access to, you know, like high schools in Samoa. So, you know, like uh, to, to, to be able to, 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 to find some sort of uh, funding and, and public collaboration through the UN to, to keep that infrastructure is vital for these island nations. Interesting. You mentioned about Pacific Broadband. I believe uh, that is one such company which uh, started launching, I believe, uh, small geosatellites. Uh, mm. I mean, but uh, 
they were they were specifically the first ones to target the remote regions in asia pacific mm. uh, yes. and they have been so much successful uh, i mean i have seen them grow from as you know as a, as a small company to a you know kind of an enterprise where they have been you know given several awards also now for their contribution to the civil society uh, yes that's why at the, the beginning company, I, yeah. yeah that's yeah, why at the beginning i said uh, startup and then i i i, <laughs> I corrected yes. that it's not a startup and i know it's a, it's yeah. a well established company um but also like you know like uh, pacific has helped like for other well other startups to emerge for example like in papua new guinea you've got now a uh a startup that is, um, you know, like expanding uh, Wi-Fi broadband using solar panels, but, you know, using their satellite network from from Pacific. So, you know, it's like yes. it's some sort of, of, of snowball when you've got an important player that helps uh, other players to appear and grow. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. You're right, absolutely right on this point. And, uh, you know, just to kind of uh, add a little bit on this, I would like to tell uh, people because uh, our lot of audience is not only from space industry, but it's also from the defense and security sector. Mm. So the space law is based on the laws of sea. And Definitely. Yeah, because the reason this is, one of the prime reason is because, you know, space is a vast pool of resources, similar to how the aquatic life is, the marine resources are. I mean, it's a extension of a massive resources pool, I would say. And mm. from that perspective, I'd like to, you know, kind of ask Marcel about uh, in what ways is space technology helping uh, these remote regions or even, you know, the islands with marine conservation and sustainable management of their ocean resources. Uh, I would say specifically, please feel free to kind of highlight, you know, uh, applications of Earth observation as well in this. Yeah. Um. Actually, as as we know, like fishery is one of the uh, main sources uh, here in the South Pacific, and you know, like to yes. to be able to to monitor those uh, fishing banks, but also um, people who are illegally fishing. Um. You know, because those are limited resources and precious resources. So you know, like to 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 keep an eye. Uh, on those maritime domains, it, it's vital, and that's why you you need uh, satellite imagery. Uh, for example, like uh, in the case of New Zealand, it's not exactly what, what we've got in mind when we think of a, a South Pacific island nation. But still, we are a South Pacific island nation. We've got a, a huge amount of, of millions of kilometers uh, to to keep an eye on, and you know, like satellite without satellite technology, that's almost impossible. So yeah, I totally agree that. You know, like the, the laws of the sea and the laws of space, uh, <laughs> well, merge because yeah. they are the same. And, and I think yes. that's the perfect occasion to to, to mention something. And that's, uh, you know, just like in the ocean, you need to register your boat, right? And yes, you, you need you need the flag of a country. Uh, you need to do exactly the same with satellites, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. So quite interestingly, uh, for example, like, some Chinese companies have used in the recent past uh, flags of convenience, and they've been using uh, flags of convenience from island nations in the South Pacific, like Tonga. And so, you know, like, um, it's quite interesting because then it comes uh, um, other, other issues like uh, liability issues. You know, it's like uh, you, you, all you need to register your satellite and the flag and the flag. Yes. But that the levels 
of liability can drastically change from one country to another. And as we know, like <laughs> open ocean, like yeah. the open space can, can be a place where things happen. And yes. those liability issues are, um, you know, can 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 take us to uh, dark places. I would say. <laughs> I don't yes, know what yes. what your take there. Yeah, well, no, I absolutely agree, and and I'm really glad you brought up this in the conversation because you know we were just hovering around island nations uh, utilization of space technology for them, uh, but this is one good issue as well. You know, because of this, the relations of the island nation is also disrupted. A lot of countries are you know in the storm of politics as well because of this. Uh, we might observe, you know, the similar thing in the space as well when we are possibly a much more advanced civilization, uh, kind, you know, kind of, you know, a piracy might be happening. Uh, we see a similar thing uh, with the kind of, I would say, ocean resources at the moment. Mm. Uh, it It's not only to kind of exploit resources from the marine bodies, but primarily even to transport terrestrial goods as well. Uh, you know, there's mm. a lot of smuggling that happens. So Definitely. in a way, uh, there is a company called as ISI, uh, not ISIS, <laughs> but <laughs> I-C-E-Y-E, which is a mm -hmm. Finland's one of the first uh, companies in Finland based, uh, whose works on like the satellite domain primarily focused on synthetic aperture radar. And they have done some significant work uh, you know, in providing services uh, to the companies who are trying to track the illegal fishing and activities uh, in the in the maritime domain. Uh, mm. And I believe th these things need to grow, especially in Asian region, because I believe the, uh, the piracy and all these things uh, happen a lot in the Indo-Pacific region. Mm. Because, uh, you know, first thing is, at least because of Pacific, there are some now islands which are well connected but earlier there was not even a connection so there was no. not even a way to track these illegal activities uh, even for the government uh, and you know because of this even these nations are at loss because what happens is that uh, when the smuggling or trafficking happens uh, these people take the goods at a much lower cost from these island nations and then smuggle it to other way somewhere else now when the government can keep track because of the communication infrastructure which is erected by companies like Pacific Broadband, then there is a possibility that, you know, these island nations might not be even at loss, you know. So, you know, like this is a kind of chain reaction that happens. You don't see the top level advantage of space technology, but down at the downside, you can see in this way that, you know, if mm. this if the governments are able to track, if these island nation governments are able to track this illegal smuggling and shipping, they can actually save a lot of operational costs as well in the downstream. Mm. Uh, so in this way, I believe, uh, I, mean, I mean, like we can definitely create a separate episode on this, I believe, uh, <laughs> where we, we can talk because, you know, there is a lot to speak about. It's not only this, there is a lot of human trafficking as well that happens uh, through the maritime routes, actually. Uh, mm. But, you know, there have been no, not so much like efforts that have been taken by the governments, uh, especially in the South Asian region, I would say. Uh, but mm -hmm. hopefully there might be. Um, yeah, definitely. I think when we talk about satellite technology or even the cislunar economy, I think people are not very aware of what that entitles. And, and you know, I think that's, a, that's an excellent way to explain how come that uh, satellite technology is like a growing snowball because there are lots of applications that usually people are not really aware of. And I'm quite glad that you mentioned 
uh, you know, like trafficking and and even like uh, spionage at some point, because there's another issue that uh, yes. might uh, might come to light in the near future. I do not know if you're aware that uh, most of the objects that we've got in the sky, like they they end up buried in the South Pacific, uh, the, the the bigger ones. For example, do you remember the Mir, that in space station that the Soviets had? And yes. you know that they, they were supposed to uh, to destroy back in the 2000s. Well, we've got that here in the South Pacific. It's a place called Point Nemo that is 22 million square kilometers, and there are already like something like 200 Soviet objects buried there under the sea. Um, I do not know if you remember either that some time ago uh, Jeff Bezos when uh, under uh, under the sea in the Atlantic trying to rescue uh, some old. Um, I, I, I think it was Apollo. Uh, yes. Yeah, piece of technology, but you know, yeah. like just just a, as a as a collector. But as we see, uh, technological rivalry is on the rise between not just the United States and and China. I mean, the, the main reason that China is not part of the International Space Station is because, like, the U.S. did not want China to have access to certain technologies. But if you keep decommissioning things that you can bring them in a point Nemo down in the South Pacific, at some point you you might have people having a look there trying to rescue uh, exactly. technology. Um, and the the best example is the ISS as well. You know, like the International Space Station is going to be decommissioned soon, soonish, yes. I would say, something like in the 2030s. Yes, and that's going to end up in point Nemo as well. Um, yeah. So you know, like so someone will have to to keep an eye on on those waters and and the activity that goes there. This is just another example of what you're saying. You know, like there's a a, a huge range of issues uh, that relate to satellite technology that usually people are not aware of. Yes, yes. No, this is a very important thing. Even I was actually not aware about this thing uh, in an okay. extended manner. Yeah, uh, because you know, uh, I would say like my primary area of research is military satellite communications but mm. you really brought this unique point uh, as we are discussing about island nations and the marine resources as well uh, like i had never thought actually you know what ha exactly happens when the, you know the debris come down you know i i should think like it's, it's useless basically but as you mentioned you know there are some nations there are some adversary groups who are trying to take advantage of it mm. and yeah this is a good piece of information i mean you know it's it's like you know nothing is a waste everything can be recycled or at least can be reused in in a terms of knowledge or information mm. so i believe yeah. space debris serve that kind of information uh, to the people yes definitely mm. that can provide that and but also we've got um, other issues that for example light pollution uh, in the south pacific here we've got that new is the very first like dark sky sanctuary nation that means that uh, you, you've got a, a, a extremely clear dark sky in, in countries like Niue, and that's great for for observation uh, of, of a space observation. But if you've got yes. Starlink satellites refracting light from their solar panels, uh, that's that, that's a huge issue that's happening in New Zealand as well. Yes, yes. But then again, it comes to liability. Like, um, how do you complain? How do you do something about it? You know, it's like you, you might have a, a resource. You know, it's like in in um, 
space observation tourism and all of a sudden you've got satellites uh, destroying that economic asset for you. And, you know, as we know, yes. like uh, island nations, um, you know, they've got very yes, yes. few ways of, of receiving that income. Uh, sometimes yes. they, they sell their uh, internet domain. Sometimes they, <laughs> they sell their sa yeah. satellite spots as flags of convenience. But, you know, that's another thing that we yeah. keep in mind. Yes, uh, yes. You know, like polluting their dark skies might, might be a, a huge impact for, for some of those tiny economies. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, just to kind of add on this, so are there any notable space-related education initiatives in island nations and that are, you know, fostering local talent and expertise? Because I believe a lot of things that you just mentioned also requires an education awareness. Mm. So, yeah, we, we, we mentioned before the University of the South Pacific, and then we we mentioned that Samoa is using satellite technology, but we've got also a... Uh, a, a very interesting. Uh, I would say it's it's a, it's a it's not a company nor a think tank, but you know it's like it's called space based. Uh, it, it's based here in New Zealand, and and actually they 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 created some sort of uh, uh, a research competition on on methane emissions. You know, it's like um, New Zealand has created together with the US has created. Uh, a project called yeah. Methane Sat. So basically, they detect methane emissions in the South Pacific, and you know that's that's vital for for climate change. You know, like um, methane is, is changing our planet, and you can see that in this competition, you've got uh, uh, several, not just the uh, universities or startups uh, joining this competition that is called. Uh, I've got that here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a methane side competition, but also, you know, like high schools. So, you you know, like high schools are are, um, are learning yes. how to use uh, satellite imagery to, to to find solutions to, to very real problems. And, you know, that's just one example that is happening here in New Zealand. Yes, yes. That, that's a great insight, I would say. I mean, like uh, space education related awareness is something that a uh, lot of nations need, not only island nations. Uh, because as we believe a lot of new players are coming in, they really need to, you know, have this and from the university level, of course. And, you know, kind of just to take a step ahead uh, from the education to the economic aspect. So can you discuss the economic benefits that island nations derive from their investment in space technology, including satellite-based applications for the environment, infrastructure development, tourism especially as well? Because I believe island nations are extremely famous for luxury tourism especially. Mm. So of course, like if you if you got a resort, um, and I myself I've been <laughs> to one of those. You you need to have, uh, you know, it's like good broadband, uh, even if it's just to tell your friends that you're there <laughs> and make them envious. Yeah. Um, but also when you've got a a a resort, you need a a certain infrastructure, including medical infrastructure, and you know, it's like telemedicine is part of that. So, you know, it's like if you're isolated in an island um, and when we're talking about these island nations, you know, like we're talking about thousands of kilometers between them, you know, like the distance between, for example, New Zealand and Niwi, which is a um, yes. a country that is part of the real of New Zealand, it's 2000 kilometers. And, you know, like yeah. you just got a, a few thousand people that uh, live in Niwi, something like 2000. So, you know, like to have telemedicine, <laughs> Yes, it's it's very important. Uh, you know, like 
of course you you, you can have uh, some sort of uh, of uh, technicians uh, that, that they can help you with certain things uh, and even register registered nurses. But for some other things that can happen to you uh, while being in one of those islands, not just for the native population, for example, for most, but you know, like to all of those visitors, is, is to have some sort of uh, assistance <laughs> when it comes to things happening when you're on holiday. So, yeah, that's a, another thing of the things that satellites are providing. Interesting. And, you know, I believe like uh, we are now reaching the uh, end part of the podcast. So, you know, uh, just to kind of uh, ask you in a broader terms, I would say, I mean, this is, of course, a little bit futuristic too. Uh, but mm. with, this, with respect to the future prospects, do other nations have in terms of, you know, uh, space exploration and satellite technology, uh, any kind of interest in exploring at a, you know, kind of a vast level, uh, both in upstream space technology, would they like to invest in that? And what are some emerging trends in this field that uh, you believe that island nations should be aware of? Mm. Um, but there's a very interesting thing and in that actually, you know, it's like island nations are, are made of very good navigators. Um, even when we, we think about New Zealand, you know, like the, the, the indigenous population of New Zealand, the Maori, you know, it's like um, we've got theories that say that they come originally from nowadays Taiwan. So to to and they've got a, a very good knowledge on how they got from very far away and how they navigated all of those issues. So yes. you know that's part of their national identity that they are very yes. well skilled uh, navigators. Navigators, for example, yeah. yeah. So recently they discovered that first people arriving to Antarctica were yes. uh, were South Pacific navigators, and they arrived there uh, in the year eight hundred. So that's more than a thousand years ago that you've got humans reaching Antarctica using technology that uh, nowadays we, we might seem very limited, but you know that means that they they had an amazing uh, astronomical knowledge. You know, like they 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 know yes. how to navigate through stars, and we are seeing here in New Zealand a bit of a revival of using that traditional uh, astronomical knowledge. For example, like. We've got Matariki as, as an official holiday in New Zealand, and that's uh, the Maori New Year, and it's uh, all about stars and, you know, and, and understanding how they're affecting us. So, you know, yes. I can see that that's a path that, uh, you know, it's like this, all of these uh, Polynesian and Melanesian nations could follow to become more and more curious about astronomy first and then space uh, exploration later on. So, yeah, I, I yes. would say that one of that's one of the things I think in the future we, we might see. Yeah, interesting, interesting. That that's a good perspective. I believe we can definitely, you know, uh, one part on the space exploration uh, ambitions of island nations, and one on the uh, how to counter illegal activities in sea using satellite technology. These two topics can be a different podcast episodes uh, because <laughs> I mean, the, as much as we speak about them is less, you know, because uh, first thing is like not much has been explored on both these topics. And whatever is available is very in a limited terms. Uh, but I believe like individuals like you, you know, who are kind of exploring these things passionately, we can definitely create a few more episodes on these two topics for sure. <laughs> Actually, and, um, yeah. 
that yeah, that's a topic that I'm very interested. For example, like uh, back in 2014, Fiji was key to the uh, Indian mission to Mars. Uh, you know, and yes, I've been yes. trying to do a, a bit of research on that, uh, but unfortunately, I haven't been that successful. Uh, but but if I am, <laughs> happy yeah, to yeah. come back to your show and and explain your definitely my definitely anytime anytime. And you know, uh, so you know, Master, just to kind of you know close off. Uh, I always ask this question to the guest speakers. The last question it is for students. You know, I know last mm -hmm. time also I asked you, but I would like to ask you again uh, because there might be some students who might be directly listening to this thirty fourth episode of the podcast. So, what message would you like to give uh, to the students, researchers, and other stakeholders who are willing to participate, engage, or even you you know are trying to possibly enter the space industry? You want me to say again the same thing or you want me to give you a second thought? <laughs> <laughs> you can give a combination of both, maybe. <laughs> uh, so, sure. so, yeah. As for your compatibility, um, yeah. Sure thing. So the, yes, uh, yes. I remember that the first time I just mentioned that please do not fall for just one single narrative. And I think you and I agreed on that, uh, Omka. That, yes. you know, it's like um, a multipolar world is, is a reality. And and that's a, a great thing, I would say. You know, it's like yes. uh, I know that uh, English, uh, having the English language as a lingua franca uh, all around the world is great, but do not fall just for uh, the Western world narrative on, on things. And that includes space exploration. Uh, but on the other side, uh, now I would add that also be open-minded that if you're curious about space technology, or space exploration, um, open your mind to other fields like uh, literature and culture. And because like fiction and reality keep fitting each other time after time. So if you want to know where we're going, I would recommend that, you know, it might be quite useful to, to read some science fiction, uh, Chinese science fiction, uh, Soviet science fiction, uh, together with, you know, like Indian science fiction or, or uh, you know, American science fiction, you yes. know, like it's going to give you somehow a picture of uh, what might happen in the future, because let's not forget that, you know, like Jeff Bezos sent Captain Kirk to space, uh, you know, like he, he he got the actor and because like he's a huge fan of Star Trek since he was a child and that fed his desire to, you know, like explore space and same with Elon Musk, you know, like he consumed science fiction since he was young and then he ended up like trying to make some dreams uh, yes. a reality. So if we want to know where we might be heading or what those uh, <laughs> entrepreneurs have in mind, well, you know, reading science fiction, it's a good way to go or even yes. watching some TV shows. So yeah, that would be <laughs> another yes. a, a, another thought that I would like to share. Definitely. Yeah, I, I believe you mentioned it in a really good way. Connecting the dots between different sectors is very important. And I believe Definitely. space industry is something like this only. We are multidisciplinary in a way. Mm. Like you and me, we both are from different backgrounds and we are in the industry now. So it's very important. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much again, uh, Marcel, for providing some such good insights. Uh, and I believe there are some really good points that you brought up and I hope to record a few more episodes on those topics specifically again. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much again. Thank you very much, Amka. It has been a pleasure.
Thank you for listening to this episode. If you find our podcast insightful, then please like, share and subscribe. See you in the next episode. Thank you.